Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone. And this is live radio, so it's really funny. I was just sitting here, and my microphone literally just dropped out of its uh, bracket here. So hopefully everybody can hear me well. I'm trying to tighten it back down. But that's the beauty of live radio. Um, I am so excited to be here today because I can't even figure out how to describe my upcoming guest. This is somebody I've met through originally met through social media and some other people that I'm, I'm very close with and I've referred her to clients and I'm going to continue to refer her to clients, but I can't figure out how to describe what Jessica Rhodes does or who she is because she's so multivaried and I'm really excited to have her on the show today. Not only is she the founder of a company called Interview Connections where she helps Um, It's the premier guest booking agency for podcasters and guest experts. She's an acclaimed author, and she also hosts three podcasts. I don't know how she has the energy to do all this with family and, and everything else that is going on in her life, but we have so much to cover today about podcasting, about interviews, about business, about entrepreneurship. Um, Please welcome Jessica Rhodes to the show. Laura, I'm so excited to be here. That was a beautiful intro. Well, you know, I've been struggling because there's so many different ways to describe who you are in the world, you know, other yeah. than, you know, a great human being and, and a lovely person and, you know, and, and all those other things. There are many things that you do out there in the world to help other people get their message out. And that is truly exceptional. Yeah, I really enjoy doing it. So here's a question for you. How do you seem to manage your time so that you can host three podcasts, run a highly successful in-demand business, speak at top events on podcasting, and also have your podcast used as coursework at a university? Yeah. So I think the first thing is I have a very supportive spouse. (laughs) Um, That's I mean, that's key because as an entrepreneur, you're not always the most easy person to be married to because you love your work. Um, And one of the things that I did uh, a year ago is I got an office outside the home because being wrapped up in my business, I realized I had to have some more separation between my work and my home life. Because when I am working at home, it's often I'm trying to go between the kids and um, and work. And now that my office is outside the home, I I can separate the two. And I know that when I'm at home, I am at home. And when I'm at work, I'm at work. So I think blocking the time is huge. And then another big piece of it is I have a great team. So one of the skills that I learned at my last job was hiring and managing staff. And so I think that's one of the biggest skills that I have leveraged to be successful is that when something is um, could be done better, faster, or cheaper by somebody else, 
I have a team member do it. So I have a whole guest booking team. So I'm not personally doing all of the researching of shows and pitching podcasters and following up. I have guest bookers. I have somebody that assists me in my marketing. So while I'm creating all the podcasts, I don't do editing. I, um, for most of my podcasts, I, I have somebody that helps me with posting the podcast and um, creating the graphics and the social media posts. So a lot of what's being done that you can see online, I have people that are helping me do it. How do you decide at what point you need to have other people helping you? I know it's a big struggle for a lot of my listeners. Yeah, I think that the biggest thing is I... You have to put the cart before the horse and use a lot of good entrepreneurial mindset because it's very hard to start hiring people because you really do have to roll the dice and take a risk. You have to put money out before you see those team members produce a return on your investment and having them on your team. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's funny because I was just met a another a local mom at the park and she's asking me, she's like, so how's the money and then what you do? And I'm like, well... For a long time, it wasn't really any. <laughs> um, and, you know, and you know, you have to, like, quite frankly, and Dave Ramsey would probably cringe at this, but I leveraged my line of credit with my uh, with Discover. You know what I mean? Like, you've got to not always be the smartest person financially, um, but eventually it does pay off. So um, I've also worked with a great business coach who's helped me decide when is it a good time to to hire and, and when do I need to scale back? And one lesson that I've learned in having a team is you want to try to have the least number of people on your team as possible and basically max out their bandwidth before you hire more people because some of the mistakes I've made is having too many guest bookers and, you know, I end up making no money because I'm paying all these people to do the work and then I'm not making anything. So it's it's a constant lesson and balancing act. You know, you mentioned Dave Ramsey, and he would be upset with you for leveraging your line of credit. <laughs> when I expanded my business, my tech business way back when, my business advisor, who was a financial person, I had had zero debt, bootstrapped myself all the way up, and we had this piece of tech that we were thinking about um, investing in, but you know, it was something that I just didn't have the cash laying around to invest Mm -hmm. in it. And he literally laid out for me a financial model that I had never seen before, which made so much sense as to when is the right time to leverage that to grow it, Mm -hmm. your business. And I I thought that was really fascinating because I had always been raised on don't go into debt. You know, the only debt you take on is your mortgage. And with that, you still buy a house way lower than your income kind of thing mm-hmm. so that you can afford it post, you know, God forbid anything were to happen. And I think it's interesting that you took that chance, even though you felt that there was some business advice out there that says you shouldn't do it. But there was something in your gut that said to you, if I do this, it's going to pay off big time. Yeah, and I think the key is separating like personal finance advice from business finance advice. And the the shift for me was an I when I could separate my personal finances from my business finances, you know, incorporating the business, 
setting up a business bank account, making that credit card that I was using for certain things like going to conferences um, and sometimes, you know, just having a backup for certain business expenses, making that only for business expenses. So as I started separating the two, um, personal from business, it definitely um, became a lot better. <laughs> well, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And a lot of um, my listeners, a number of them actually, and my clients that I, I work with on strategy and, and business development work, they have a difficult time. And you mentioned you moved your office out of the house, so now you have more of a delineation. But in, what often happens is people then start going, oh, well, I need to do some stuff on my phone or my iPad or I, you boot up your laptop. How are you balancing that with now your office is out of the house, but yet there's still work that you feel needs to be done? I mean, your stuff goes across many time zones. Yeah, that is so true. Um, having a team is a big part of it. So that since I've been able to outsource a lot of the guest booking, luckily now I have you know, team members that are kind of on point with a lot of emails. Um, but I, what I try to ask myself is if I do glance at my phone or check my email on my laptop, you know, I'll, I'll look at it and I'll just ask myself, if it's like 5 o'clock or 5.30, I'm making dinner and I see it, I'll just say, can this wait until, you know, the kids go to bed? What will happen if I don't answer this email until 10 a.m. tomorrow? And usually the answer is nothing is going to happen. You can answer this tomorrow morning. So that's that's kind of what I try to ask myself, and that helps. That's a really great question to ask yourself because most of us tend to feel if somebody texts us or calls us, it has to be responded to immediately. I know my mom, heaven forbid, a ringing phone is not answered. And I'm like, <laughs> Mom, just let it go to voicemail. We're, we're eating. Or, right. you know, we're watching something. It's no big deal. The most important people are in this room. So we're okay. <laughs> exactly. So that's, that's a really great question for everybody out there to, to think about um, that Jessica talked about. Evaluate the incoming information with a filter of can this wait? How critical is this? Which is more important what you're working on now? or what that new data is that's coming in. It's a helpful mm -hmm. thing to think about, but it's not something that is always easy to do. So, Jessica, we're about to go into our first commercial break, and is there another question you suggest our listeners think about in terms of managing their time? That, that is a really good question. I, I A lot of the questions I kind of prepared for listeners was around <laughs> podcast guest booking, which I think we're going to get into. We so um, are. But I... <laughs> Yeah, but I think that question of, you know, just ask yourself, is this is this urgent? Do I need to deal with this right now? I think that is a really good one to keep in mind. It'll keep work separated from your family life, which is key, I think, for entrepreneurs. So key. And we're going to be coming back from our first commercial break shortly. And we're going to be talking more with Jessica Rhodes, founder of InterviewConnections.com, the premier guest booking agency for podcasters and guest experts. She's actually helped me get some guests onto our show as well. So we'll be right back with more from the amazing Jessica Rhodes. Success comes from not only what you know, but also who you know. Welcome back to It's All About the Questions with award-winning author Laura Stewart. Jessica, you yeah. ha have created one of the premier 
companies for getting people booked onto shows, onto podcasts, specifically onto podcasts. Um, how did you decide to create that particular niche? So it all started, I started my business as a virtual assistant and I, I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. So for me, primarily my goal as an entrepreneur was to have a home-based, uh, you know, job. <laughs> and my dad was actually my first client. He's a business coach. And one of the tasks that he had me do for him was book him on podcasts. And I was doing some other things. I was doing some, you know, administrative work, some sales calls. And, um, and he also had me get him booked on podcasts. And as I was doing that, we were seeing success. It was good for his business. So he started referring me to some of his, um, some of his friends, um, some of his entrepreneur friends. And that is really where it took off. I started being asked by podcasters, you know, I didn't know there was somebody that was connecting guests with hosts. What do you do? Um, people started asking me to be on their show and talk about how I started a business with a newborn at home. And the light bulbs just started kind of going off. And I reached a point when my son was about three or four months old that I wanted to really scale my business. I wanted to have a higher income and more revenue, and I could only work so many hours in the day. So my dad coached me and helped me come up with the idea for interviewconnections.com where I could just offer the service of booking guests. And, um, and that's kind of the rest is history. I, I went from offering, you know, hourly work as a VA to people paying a flat rate for a certain number of guests. And the business has kind of evolved and changed over the years. Um, and now, you know, I went from be doing everything myself to, to having a team of bookers. Well, and now my understanding is you're not just in, you're not just hired by shows to book them guests, but you're hired by people who want to be booked on shows to promote yeah. them. And that was kind of the interesting thing is that when I started the business, I started it as, finding guests for my clients' podcasts. Like the podcasters would hire me and I would find their guests. And I was, I, I knew that in order for the business to be successful, I had to be able to guarantee the bookings because people want to pay and they want results. They don't want to say, I'll pay you this and maybe I'll get something out of it. So I knew I had to guarantee it. And for me, it was a lot easier to guarantee guests because everyone wants to be interviewed, but it was a lot harder of a sell to pitch a guest to a podcaster, right? And have the guest be the client. Um, but after a while, I mean, I kept, I had some other, um, another coach of mine, Melanie Benson, you know, she said, you've got to scale and you've got to offer this other side of the service. This is what a lot of people want. So, um, I did now then open up that other service. And for me, the key was having a team member. It was after I hired one of my first guest bookers and she really gave me the confidence to extend this offer to, to guest experts who want to be on shows. And uh, that's actually the highest demand service that we have is people that want to be on shows because I'm noticing a lot of podcasters take their guest booking in-house. And I think there's also less interview-based podcast launching. I think more and more people who are launching podcasts are, are, um, are doing solo shows or a mix or they're, they're simply um, they're not outsourcing the guest booking. So it's been interesting to watch the kind of the uh, podcasting uh, community change over the years. Why do you think it's changing like that? You know, I think less and less people are launching podcasts because they're realizing it's it's hard work. Yeah, it <laughs> so is. I think, that, I think that a lot of people who were launching podcasts like every other day three years ago 
thought they would launch it and it would be super easy and they would make a ton of money doing it. And then when they realized it actually took a lot of work and it took a long time to see success, they, they stopped. <laughs> um, and I even see articles like, oh, you can be a guest on podcasts, still get the same results, but you don't have to do any of the editing and production and all that work. And while being a guest on podcast is great, it is not a replacement for having your own show. It's not a replacement for owning your own media. So I think it is important that um, that you do both. But I think the bottom line is a lot of people aren't okay with more work. <laughs> and it's a big surprise. It takes a lot of work to be successful. <laughs> I think that's the bane of so many entrepreneurs. I've definitely see what you're seeing with the podcasting and even in radio people don't realize what it takes to provide continuous content, whether your show is once a week or every day, whether it's a half hour show or an hour show, whatever it may be, there's a lot of work outside the microphone time that takes place. Oh, there place. is. Yeah. Um, we have a mutual good friend, David Ralph. Yeah. Uh, of um, Join Up Dots, one of my favorite podcasts, one of the few that I actually listen to on a semi-regular basis. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, he's been doing this for a long time now, and he credits his success for just being tenacious, right? It's it's mm -hmm. about constantly figuring out who you are as a host and what kind of guests are the right guests and trying new things. Absolutely. I think that hosting your own podcast has can produce amazing results in your business, but it really takes a lot of time before you get to the place where listeners are reaching out to you and engaging with you. Um, I've been podcasting two years now. October 1st is my two-year anniversary of launching Roads to Success. And now I have guests who tell me, wow, five of your listeners purchased my product. You know, people are reaching out to me. So I have a very engaged audience but it took a couple years to get there. It took a couple years to start hearing that myself and my guests were getting a lot of engagement from listeners. So a lot of people are just impatient and they don't want to do something that takes a long time. <laughs> they want, you know, fast results. And uh, podcasting is can produce great results, but it's, it's not necessarily the fastest path. <laughs> I had a guest on my show last week, Leslie McGurk. She wrote a book called The Power of Mercury about Mercury retrograde and how to thrive in it. And we were at her book signing here locally a couple of days after the show. And mom and I were sitting there because she's a friend and, and her book is really amazing. And she's brilliant at what she does. Not to mention she has two million copies of her children's books in print. But we're sitting at the book signing and people are asking her questions. And somebody said, well, I heard you on the radio the other day and you were talking about this, this and this on the show and multiple people behind said, Oh yeah, we were, we heard that on the radio too. And they didn't know that I was in the audience, but they all heard my show and they were all oh, commenting wow. about it. And that I think was so powerful for me in that you don't know who's listening at any one point in time, even when you're doing radio or you're podcasting, you can see who's got your downloads, but you don't know who's really listening until you mm -hmm. get that, like you where somebody says five people purchased or has done something yeah. like that. So you just have to keep trying just like any business until it starts to click. Yeah, and I think another um, tip and thing that I've learned is to go to conferences and events where your community and where your listeners are hanging out. I was just at an event called Podcast. Uh, it was a Mid-Atlantic Podcast Conference a couple weeks ago. And I had somebody, I had several people that said, oh, I, I watch your videos or I get your email. 
And I had one person at the very end of the day, like we're in the same room all day together. And it was not until the end of the day that people are like leaving the conference that he comes up to me and he says, Jessica, I have to tell you, I listen to every episode of your podcast. And when I saw that you were speaking at this event, that's when, that's why I decided to come. I wanted to come and meet you. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. And I didn't know this person. I think we were Facebook friends, but these days you're friends with so many people you don't actually know. <laughs> um, but he's, he's a, yeah, you know, I've been listening and I didn't know who he was, but he is somebody that's been listening to my show. So it's powerful to get out there because you're like, I, this is a question that I can ask listeners. How many podcasts do you listen to? And then how many of those hosts do you email? Do you engage with? Do you tweet? Do you call? You know, do you friend on Facebook? And most people say, oh, none of them, or maybe <laughs> one of them. <laughs> it's sort of like an isolation thing, right? Uh, you you yeah. tend to put your date, your content out there. Unlike when you have a brick or mortar business, you can tell when somebody's walking in. How right. do you tell when you have a, a virtual kind of business, whether it's working or not? For you, you've got some amazing things that keep that going along with your podcast. And we're going to be back with more from Jessica Rhodes when we come back from National News, talking about how you as a business owner can capitalize on podcasts. We'll be right back with more from It's All About the Questions. Remember, the right questions truly can change your life. So what are you asking today? Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Welcome back, everyone. We are here with Jessica Rhodes, founder of InterviewConnections.com and also acclaimed podcaster herself. In case you didn't know, one of her shows, The Podcast Producers, was selected by Apple as a how-to-podcast show in iTunes and is part of a course syllabus in Canada on uh, about podcasting and audio journalism. So, Jessica, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's it. You know, the first half of the show, we were talking about so many different things. We talked about your journey as an entrepreneur and managing your time with all these different things you were doing, <laughs> including having this increasingly growing business with a family. And then about how you developed Interview Connections. Here's a big question for you. Why book podcasts and not traditional media? Media if I can say that word correctly. Yeah, so there is certainly a place for uh, for both, depending on what your business is. But, you know, I work with a lot of small business owners, entrepreneurs, and while traditional media can be fun and it is sexy to have those big logos on your website, I was seen in, you know, XYZ publication. There is some credibility that comes along there, but it doesn't, convert new business like a podcast can. And the big difference is that when you're on a podcast, you're speaking to a much more targeted audience. It's typically a smaller audience, but people are much more highly engaged in the content and the people that they're hearing than when they're browsing through entrepreneur.com and they're kind of breezing through the article or when they're listening passively to the radio while they're driving in their car. Although I hope people are not listening passively to this. <laughs> but <laughs> So, yeah, it's just a much more engaged. And then the other difference is you can really have a much closer relationship with a podcaster and a much more valuable business relationship because they're typically – 
you know, the owner of that show. They're typically the owner of a business within your niche. Most likely if you're on a podcast, you're connecting with a podcaster who's also in your industry. So there's a lot of referral opportunities there. Well, that, that makes a lot of sense, except in the case of my show, which is a very personal show. <laughs> exactly. And there's obviously, yeah. But my show goes to podcast as well. Yeah. I, yeah. I just like the benefit of uh, being on the air live on iHeartRadio. There is something. Totally, yeah. By the way, I know you've probably been on iHeartRadio before, but now you can put a logo on your uh, website saying, as heard on iHeartRadio. <laughs> Well, and then the diff, and the also thing that uh, is new. I host my podcast on Lipson, and they now distribute my podcast to iHeartRadio, and so yes. they've added that option to a lot of podcasters. Yeah, they have, and it's fascinating how the two worlds are colliding. The traditional yeah. media and the podcast world are are really changing. The whole connected car where you can listen to podcasts live while you're driving the car versus just turning on the radio dial and getting your local station. The world's gotten a, a lot, lot smaller, which raises the question of size. Whether it's podcast mm-hmm. or whether it's more traditional media, does size matter if you're trying size, to get booked on a show? Yeah. yeah, really, size does not matter. I can't tell you how many examples and stories I've heard of people who have gotten results from podcasts. The audiences are typically very small. Um, a cool story recently, um, I interviewed a guy named Yannick Alunga on my podcast in May. And he was talking about podcasting. And at the end of the show, he promoted his podcast success summit. Each ticket to this summit was $97. Within 48 hours of that podcast episode being live on iTunes, five people who heard him on my show purchased a $97 ticket. So he made $500 within that 48 hours. And I said, oh my gosh, Jan. And I I jumped over to my hosting account. I looked at how many downloads the show had within that period of time. And it was about 50. So 50 downloads, 50 listeners, and, and five of those people purchased a $100 ticket. That's... And I could go on. There are just more and more stories like that about how it only takes a couple of listeners. I just heard on a show today a story of um, Sting from the band The Police. The smallest audience he ever played for in New York City was three people. It was him and two people on stage playing and then three people in the audience. Two of those people were DJs who started playing his music on the radio. So you never know who's listening. It really only takes one or two people for an interview to make a difference for you. So if you're in front of the right audience, it doesn't matter how many people are listening. When I started going out and doing speaking for my book and I did some book signings and book and author talks, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got from one of my mentors, Rick Frischman, was it doesn't matter if only one person shows up at your book signing or at a mm-hmm. speaking event for whatever reason, that person is going to be the right person that's in the room. And that's been proven time and time again, just like with the sting analogy that you told, all it takes is one download of a yeah. podcast. So what is it then that makes people say, I don't want to be on a show unless it's bigger? Is it in their thinking that they're, they don't really understand that part about having the right targeted market? 
Yeah, I think it's, it's a learning curve. You know, podcasts are 11 years old, but really entrepreneurs and small business owners really only started looking at podcasting as a viable marketing strategy over the last few years, really. And tons of, I mean, I'm getting calls from business owners now who are just starting to think about using podcasting. So it's this incredibly new medium and it's, it's in that category of new media, but people think of it as media exposure. When they think media exposure, they think bigger the better. So I think it's just a lot of people don't understand what the difference is between podcasts and traditional media. And one thing that I learned from friends of mine who have podcast advertising, advertising agencies is that the model of selling um, advertising with a CPM model, like $25 per thousand downloads, it really doesn't work with podcasts because most podcasts don't have tens upon thousands of downloads. That doesn't mean that businesses advertising on their show are not going to get results because, you know, going back to my last um, example, if you have a couple of people that take action on what you're saying, that will produce a huge return in your business. Okay. So how does somebody, a business owner or an author, um, a speaker, somebody who wants to start going out and being interviewed on podcasts will address those who want to start their own podcast later. How do they prepare? What do they need to be thinking about? I think the biggest thing is to prepare valuable content. Um, a lot of people, um, entrepreneurs, they have sales pages for their business and they look at podcast interviews as a way to advertise. Uh, you know, they'll say, well, well, what should I talk about? Should I talk about this service I have? And the answer is you're not talking about what you sell. You're providing valuable and free information. So what you should have in place is free information on your website. You should have a blog. You should have videos. You should have podcasts. You should be actively putting out information on social media, tips, stories, things that are going for target audience. Um, you know, grow their business or, you know, improve their life, whatever, <laughs> whatever you help people with. So as you are providing that free content, it's going to give podcasters some ideas of what to ask you about, but it'll also inspire podcasters to ask you to be a guest on your show. Because if you put out a really valuable blog post, that would have some podcasters saying, that was such a great blog. I want to come. I want you to come on the show. I want to ask you all about it. We're going to do a whole episode about what you wrote about. So it's not just about looking at a podcast interview at, as advertising. The advertising is second to the fact that you're providing such highly valuable content to both the podcaster mm -hmm. and their audience that people want to consider doing business with you. Exactly. There's a huge difference between content marketing and advertising. When you're a guest on a podcast, you are doing content marketing. You're providing valuable content and attracting people to you by way of that content. When you're advertising, you are telling people about what you sell and, and telling them that they should buy what you have. And that's not what you do on a podcast. I, I love that. That's such a tweetable line. Are you thinking content marketing or advertising? Yep. I, I love that. Exactly. That is so perfect because... I get that when people are like, oh, I want to be on your show, I want to be on your show, I want to be on your show. And I'm like, okay, so tell me what you want to talk about. And yeah, the entire thing is a sales pitch. 
Exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, I, how can I have you on my show for an hour with a sales pitch? If you'd like to be an advertiser, we can have you advertise on the show. Different conversation. (laughs) Yeah. I I, I love that. Okay. We're going to be going into our last commercial break. So tell um, my audience another question they should be thinking about if they want to be booked as a podcast guest. I think the, the big question you should be thinking about is, in my business, do I need to be advertising what I'm doing or do I need to be marketing and providing valuable information to my audience? What is going to get me faster results? Because honestly, some people I say, you should be paying for advertising. That would be better for getting results. But if, but if you want to be a podcast guest, you have to know that content marketing is the right strategy for you. Are the best podcast guests typically experts in their field or people who are selling widgets? Experts. Okay. But even if you're selling widgets, you should still be an expert in something. Right. Expert at why you have your widget out there and how it can benefit humanity to buy that widget. (laughs) All right. We'll be back with more from Jessica Rhodes. Hello, everybody. We are back. And I can't believe, as I say every every week at this time, we're on the last segment. Jessica, I just can't believe we're, we're almost done with the show today. So Flying by. It totally is. So we were talking about being booked as a guest, how to make that successful. What about if somebody switching sort of ranks here, what if somebody is thinking about adding podcasting as an element of their business? What are the things that they need to be thinking about? I think the first thing that they need to be thinking about is um, are they willing and ready to invest in a marketing strategy that is not going to pay off immediately, <laughs> right? Um, you know, when we're talking about advertising, we're talking about, you know, this is like advertising is direct response. Like your goal is that you're going to advertise and you want people to buy. Um, starting a podcast is a long-term content marketing strategy where over a long period of time, you're creating and growing an audience, you're engaging with them, you're building relationships with them, and then eventually, as they go through your funnel, your marketing and sales funnel, they become your clients or your customers or your patients, but... Um, the thing that you need to really think about is, am I ready to make an investment? Am I ready to put out, uh, hopefully, if you're outsourcing editing, audio editing, guest booking, um, purchasing some equipment like some a microphone, um, you know, recording software, you are going to be investing up front and you won't really see a return for at least a few months, most likely. What kind of investment are people, do they need to be thinking about? So I'll try to break it down simply for you. Um, for podcasting, you can get a decent microphone and a way to record your Skype interviews for under a hundred bucks. And then ongoing monthly, I would say you should think about in the neighborhood of five hundred dollars for audio editing. And it depends if you're having, if you're, you know, working with a guest booker, um, there's a few hundred dollars right there. So to make it as simple as possible, because everyone, you know, will have different 
types of things that they outsource. You might have employees that you have, you know, do certain tasks. You might look for vendors who can do these things. But I would say estimate about 500 bucks a month to producing a podcast. And that really doesn't even include all the marketing that you should be doing as well, creating graphics, creating social media posts, um, emailing your list. And that also doesn't include your time. So if we include your time in this, I, I'm guessing it's, you know, upwards of, you know, eight, five to $800. And you could do it for less than that. <laughs> um, but that's, that's around what I would estimate. And that's if you're outsourcing the audio cleanup, you're, right. you're putting in your music at the front and, and those other mm -hmm. parts. Yeah. And I think that if you don't, if you are not an audio editor, don't spend the time to learn how to do it <laughs> because it's not, if you're a business owner, an entrepreneur, your time is not worth what, you know, that's not worth your time. You should be focusing on your high revenue generating activities and have somebody, like I tell people all the time, like we book guests all day, every day. This is what we do best. Okay. It's not what you do best. So it would be good for you to, to focus on what you do best in your business and outsource the things that you're not, that you don't do every day. How do you find the right person to help you when you're outsourcing. I mean, I, to me, it's a no-brainer if somebody needs somebody to put a guest on their show, consider, you know, hiring you, Jessica. You're considered mm -hmm. tops in, in your field at what you do. And the couple of guests that you've sent my way, because I've put myself on your media list if somebody needs to be booked on something. And, you know, the guests have been great. I don't use a lot of them because I'm, I'm, I book mm -hmm. months in advance as it is. But yeah. how does somebody find the right people for those other things? It's really going by referral is huge. Ask around. I mean, somebody could have an amazing copywriter and a great web designer, but they, and then you would go to their website and you're thinking, this is perfect. But unless you know somebody that has had success with them, you're rolling the dice a little bit. So I only recommend um, service providers, um, other vendors, you know, podcast editors, show notes writers. I only recommend people that I've, I've worked with or, or, you know, I've had clients that have worked with and then I can genuinely say this is somebody that's going to, you know, take care of you. So I think that the, the answer to your question is asking people for recommendations, um, you know, in podcasting. Ask other podcasters, hey, who do you have editing your show? What's your experience with them? Um, because you will hear, you know, and I've heard people that say, oh, there's so much hype around this company and I've just had such a bad experience with them. So you don't always just want to go off the marketing and the branding and the hype around somebody who might have like a big partner with them. You want to focus on people, you know, on the recommendations of people that you trust. Now you have a bunch of resources on your websites and on your podcast as well to help people with those different things. How do people connect with you? Yeah, so my website is Jessica Rhodes, R-H-O-D-E-S, jessicarhodes.biz, and I've got so many blogs, videos, and podcasts that will go so much deeper into all the stuff that we talked about. And say that website one more time. Yeah, jessicarhodes.biz, R-H-O-D-E-S, jessicarhodes.biz. Yeah, everybody remember it's .biz and not .com. Because we want to make sure you get to the right Jessica Rhodes, the one and only, yes. the best, with amazing resources. You know, we've been talking a lot about podcasts as a marketing tool. Is a podcast more than that? 
I think so. I think podcasts are so much more than a marketing tool. Um, I think podcasts are podcasts are like therapy. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> um, you know, to, <laughs> to be able to have such great conversations with with guests and when you're on somebody's show you know some of my best friends are people that I connected with through podcasting um and it's just just amazing you know you can get such great information and guidance and help with podcasting uh my third podcast that I started I um it's with my husband it's called the parenting roads and it's really an audio journal uh I would do it if nobody listened to it because it's a chance for my husband and I to sit down and and have a conversation together there's no interruptions we turn everything off and we get our microphones out and we record a podcast and we've got like 100 people that listen to us every episode I'm pretty amazed by that but it's we really do it to talk to each other and so you know, podcasts change people's lives. I really do believe that. So it is so much more than a marketing tool. For when I started the radio show, the reason I wanted to do it was to help people shift their perspectives because you only know what you know and the people around you know unless you get more input and different perspectives of people from different walks of life with different experiences. And I believe, like you do, that podcasts are the way to get that information. We used to go to libraries and just read books. And now there's more than books because people are auditory learners. And Absolutely. Do you have a favorite podcast? I have a lot of favorite podcasts. In fact, my podcast tomorrow, I, I actually talk about all my favorite podcasts. So that's an episode to, to listen to. But um, And, and which podcast I, is that one on that will, people can find out? Yeah, What's your favorite Roads podcast? to Success. Okay. So if you go to my website, justgroads.biz, you'll see it. But Or you could search the podcast store, iTunes store for Roads to Success. Um, but I think I'll give you a fun favorite podcast. It's called The Walking Dead Cast, and it is a fan podcast for The Walking Dead. So if you like that show, this is such a great podcast to listen to every week where they recap the, the last episode. Um, but I have some favorite business podcasts, but that's the one I'll recommend because I think podcasts, that, it, that shows you the lesson that your podcast podcast has to be entertaining um, as well as, you know, helpful and informative. So, so I like entertaining podcasts. <laughs> yeah, it's so true, right? We, we tend to take ourselves so seriously, but oh, yeah. it, it's, there are reasons why there are so many hundreds upon thousands, perhaps millions of podcasts out there. I mean, I don't even know how many are on iTunes because they're being added daily. And some of them are my favorite topic all about Star Trek, you know, 50 years of Star Trek. And it's a lot of fun to pay attention to those. So last thoughts before we end the show today that you'd like to share with my audience. I think the last thought is just to give podcasting a shot. This is such an amazing way to connect with people who enjoy listening to their content. Um, is blogging easier? Probably because it doesn't take as long to put together a blog post than, than uh, a podcast. But the thing that you have to remember is that uh, there are audio learners and there are people that learn by reading. And so if you are not creating a podcast, you are not reaching people that prefer to learn through audio. Okay, so what do you say to people who are visual learners? Videos. We didn't even get to videos, but you should definitely be doing video. I do those. I do videos every week. So do you do video podcasts or is that? Yes. Okay. 
Yep, my video my videos are on iTunes as a video podcast, and I also have a YouTube channel, and I upload them to Facebook. We could do a whole other show on that, but yes, you want to have your videos everywhere. Yeah, we may have to we may have to do that. I'm thinking about putting a camera in the studio, but the problem is I the station's not equipped to handle the feed of my call-in guests, so it'll just be me talking and not having that other half. <laughs> so that becomes the problem. I thank you so much for being on the show today, Jessica. Thank you for having me. It's been great. And everybody, remember the right questions truly can change your life. So what are you asking yourself today? Do you need to hire somebody like Jessica to help you get interviewed to set up your podcast? Understand that your perspectives will change based on the questions you ask and who you ask and love. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day and I'll see you next week.